going, everybody? This is the sixth Director Showdown podcast, and uh, my name is Adam Dauphin, and I am here again, of course, with my uh, my co-host, Brent Carroll. Hey, what's up, everybody? And today we are joined by uh, a special guest. Uh, how about you introduce yourself, because I don't know your fucking name. Uh, hi, I am Zach Cavender. Uh, I'm Brent's friend. Are you, though? <laughs> I don't know. We just picked him off, off off the street and said, hey, do you want to watch a Kubrick film? And he's like, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I thought you, I thought you said a brick film, and I thought of the Lego movie. <laughs> and then I paid just, him a little bit of cash so that he would come on. So. And then some. <laughs> we gave him a little bit of the old ultra-violence before yeah. he came in. I thought you were going to say the old in-out, which... <laughs> Feel a little more fitting. No time, no time for that. Just, <laughs> just checking the meter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, in case you aren't familiar with uh, the director showdown, uh, what we what we do is that we pin two directors against each other. And this this season, we decided to do Kubrick versus Spielberg, mm-hmm. and the classics. As you can tell, if you're Somewhat familiar with uh, with Kubrick, we did uh, Clockwork Orange this time around, mm-hmm. uh, directed of course by Stanley Kubrick. And so before we before we get right into it, I'll just give a brief uh, summary uh, again provided by the by the fine people, the fine users down in IMDb. Good people, good people. The 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 bigly people, big leagues. Protagonist Alex DeLarge is an ultra-violent youth in futuristic Britain. As with all luck, he eventually runs out and he's arrested and convicted of murder and rape. While in prison, Alex learns of an experimental program in which convicts are programmed to detest violence. If he goes through the program, his sentence will be reduced and he will be back on the street sooner than expected. But Alex's ordeals are far from over once he hits the mean streets of Britain that he had a hand in creating. Ooh. That's summaries. I feel like we're starting to get into the point where like, we're judging these summaries. A little <laughs> bit, yeah. I mean, well, it's because historically, at least the last few we've had are like very... They cover a lot more of the movie than I really think they maybe should. But this one actually is pretty good. I think this one does a it's pretty good job. It's kind of short and sweet. Yeah, short and sweet. Who, just, who provided that one? I don't know. I, I didn't bother. But it's thank great you, if you if you recognize it, if you're listening. Yeah. But <laughs> hey, hey, that's the summary I wrote on IMDb 10 years back. <laughs> why, don't you, why don't you just say the username? It's so hard. <laughs> oh, well. But no, it's it's funny because that summary is just so. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, like cinematic. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. You know well, it's mean? it's uh, it's lacking the cynicism that this the movie is like fucking sure. dripping with, from beginning to end. And um, I don't know. Uh, you know what? Before we get started, mm-hmm. um, we. The new segment we we the segment we usually have for guests well not usually because it'd be the second time yeah just the second time but yeah. the the um, a question we like to ask is mm-hmm. so Zach yes how do you feel about uh, Spielberg and Kubrick they're Which both one? great they're both equally 
valid directors. It's a very diplomatic answer. No, I think John um, said something similar, right? Yeah, of everybody's course. being a little too. No, I, I want him to I'm, pick a side. I'm definitely an, a Kubrick fan Fair more enough. than I'm a Spielberg fan. Fair enough. They're uh, his just movies are just they resonate more with me than. Can you can you name like one? Well, Kubrick, you're a piece of shit. What, you what's can your leave. favorite Kubrick film and what's your favorite Spielberg film? Hey, that's a good. Yeah. I like that. We just went over like. 50 fucking Spielberg films There's a lot that, more Spielberg that last fam films. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but for some reason I'm still blanking on most of them. <laughs> Cuz I forgot. I mean, take your yeah. pick like exactly. was it Jurassic Park, Indiana Jones, uh Saving hmm. Private Ryan, you know. Actually, I don't think I've ever seen Indiana Jones. Oh so, uh, dear. That's how, that's not how up there. How dare for you me. come into as this <laughs> house? And even, try to be on this podcast. Even I'm, as like this even, is a Kubrick podcast. even as a Kubrick Fair. defender, I have to say that Indiana Jones was one of my favorite films. A Kubrick yeah. truther. <laughs> no, like that's Kubrick. so strange. You haven't seen Raiders of the Lost Ark? I mean, if I have, it was when I was young and I don't remember. Uh, it. Melting Nazis. Is that nope. conjure an image? Nah, uh. Okay. Okay, then he hasn't seen Damn. it. Damn. Like, that definitely sticks out. Well, to I'm going to let I'm gonna let you borrow. I don't want to get right. too like, behind yeah, the scenes. There's a surprising amount of films that I haven't seen. They're like classics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or just even popular. How about E.T.? Do you like that? You uh, that yeah. yeah. You haven't Sorry. seen it too, too recently? To <clears throat> No, yeah. I haven't seen it since I was a kid, but I mean... Munich? How about, how about the... Uh, how about... Uh, the mo- most recent Spielberg film. Don't <laughs> come on! Don't drag his name through well, the mud. What was it called? The the uh, the BFG. Let's not. We don't have to. Big fucking giant. Yeah, and I saw it, and it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's, it's not. Fine. It's not peak Spielberg, but I mean, uh, what's yeah? What's your favorite? Uh, I mean, Kubrick movie. How about I guess. Kubrick? Yeah. Kubrick, I would say two thousand one. Yeah. All right. Originally, yeah. I wanted to do that episode, but. Yeah. That didn't well, work we out, can watch it again it, do it instead two, of the next two episodes. film because you know that'll be a waste of time anyway. <laughs> yeah, we just had fucking Sergio on that one anyway, so he no, just I like, showed I like up. That episode. He, like, he really did. Yeah, yeah, he just like showed up and just popped in. But I mean, that was cool. No, yeah. he was he was a great guest. I listened to that Fuck one. You, I liked Sergio. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> but um, yeah. So here we are on our third Kubrick, uh, Clockwork Orange. One of my favorite. Uh, Kubrick movies probably like right behind 2001 honestly I think I saw it like at just the time to not even fully understand it I feel like the last time I saw it I didn't even pick up on like the kind of cynical hypocrisy and government stuff that was happening absolutely yeah which is like a big thing I was like oh shit I'm Mm -hmm. catching a lot more this time but you just kind of it's a it's a lot more I what's the term like explicit than a lot of his other stuff I feel like Mm -hmm. it's um Mm -hmm. More straightforward, I'd say. It's like it gets messy, but it's like pretty straightforward in the story it's telling. You know what I mean? So, but uh, yeah, this is always one of my favorite Kubrick movies. I mean, I gotta, um, I gotta say, I mean, two thousand one still stands as my favorite Kubrick film. But after seeing Barry Lyndon twice, I mean, Barry Lyndon's a is a masterpiece, like a master stroke, mm-hmm. and. Barry Lyndon was created after, um, four years after, this? after Clockwork Orange, yeah, and yeah, Barry Lyndon would be my second favorite, and then probably a Clockwork Orange third, mm-hmm. you know. But it's uh, Barry Lyndon in comparison to a Clockwork is is um, more felt out 
and it's more controlled. human. Way less. Well, it's cynical, but it's. I definitely see where you're coming it, it, from. It's, yeah. it's 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 well, I'm, uh, <laughs> like on on those points that you bring up. Yeah, it's more human and it's more uh, almost relatable. Mm-hmm. A clockwork is. <sighs> it's it it starts. <clears throat> It's not. It's not as. It's not as as clean as mm. Barry Lyndon. That's a good point. Yeah, like even just cinematically, how it's cinematically and exactly. Um, <clears throat> I haven't seen that one, but Barry uh, Lyndon. Yeah, yeah you guys great. did reference it quite a bit watching this. Yeah. Oh boy. I mean, <laughs> mostly the actors. Yeah, that was. That oh was, yeah. <laughs> a lot of actors like shared between this and uh, Barry Lyndon, which came out yeah four years after this one, seventy five. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and that's all I have to say about that. No, the, the actor, the actors in um, in a clockwork, the ones that we noticed at least was um, Alex's father, who is the uh, accountant in mm-hmm. in Barry Lyndon. Barely says a word in that movie. Just kind of kind of a glorified in Barry Lyndon. In Barry Lyndon, yeah, yeah. This movie has more kind of to do. Is that yeah? He actually has a more substantial role, even though it still was minimal. Mm-hmm. But uh, but he actually talked in this film. Yeah, it was kind of know? like uh, Alex's kind of pathetic uh, father. father. Yeah. It's kind of like scared to take a side, just mm-hmm. like trying to support the mom. And but, a very important <clears throat> role in in uh, Clockwork uh, was the um, the minister was a chaplain. Is that is oh that the, okay is that yeah the correct term? him too. I don't know if the chaplains the prison term. chaplain Padre. Yeah, yeah. That's what they yeah. called him. What? Padre. Oh, Padre. Well, there you go. Yeah. The, but, pris- um, the prison Padre. Prison Padre. I yeah, like PP. that. He was uh, Barry's BFF who kept trying to kiss him, who we uh, <laughs> theorized. Kiss me, boy. Yeah, who we theorized was like in love with Barry because every scene he was in was like, just one kiss, Barry. And like one of them, he just like kisses him right on the lips. And it's like, mm, I don't know about this guy. So so he was the, he was the, he was a prison <clears throat> Padre in this one. And uh, he was trying to, you know, rehabilitate Alex in his own way mm-hmm. through religion and by and by. Uh, well, religion. What? Just religion. Just religion. <laughs> rehabilitation. Yeah. Well, I mean, do you want to get it? Yeah, I guess we'll just get into it. Like that was a very important part of the film because it. it it encompasses the entire point of the film. Mm-hmm. The arc of the the arc of the the arc of the movie is that you know you start off with Alex and he's a very terrible delinquent. Like he is, he rapes, he steals. Like he's not someone <clears throat> anyone would feel sorry for. Mm-hmm. You would not feel empathy for this person. And of course, he gets caught eventually, and he goes to prison. And the Padre is there to um, to bring morality into it into Alex's life. Mm-hmm. And a very important line I can't say it verbatim, but I thought was very poignant was the line in respect to morality comes from within. It's it, you have to choose to be a good person. Mm-hmm. Not by any external factors, you know, 
Yeah. And then you see the third arc of the film where it's where he's he's goes through the exper- the experimental program mm-hmm. the, uh, that's uh, sanctioned by the government. And of course, like he, you know, Pavlov's Pavlov's dog shit, you know, like he he gets uh, he has a sickness response to violence and, and sex. Mm-hmm. And so he's quote unquote re- rehabilitated and like Alex himself is not necessarily any better. He just is forcibly punished mm-hmm. with that stimulus. So it's yeah. like this very amazing, <clears throat> very, very interesting. It, it doesn't answer any questions to morality. It's more about like what, what is free will and what, what do we really do about it? Yeah. Should we have somebody that, um, like, the, should it come from within, or should the, or should it be forced upon someone? Yeah, and then I think the minister at the end really sums that up in a really good way in saying that, you know, from the government's, like, I'm uh, summarizing this too, I'm not verbatim, but uh, basically saying like. You know, we don't care if he's a good person. We care about bringing the crime rate down. And, you know, we'll do that, in, you know, by whatever means necessary. And then they did it that way. And, yeah, that, that method would definitely bring the crime rate down. But you're not making, you're not rehabilitating people. Mm-hmm. You're not, like, making good people out of bad people. You're just, like, suppressing the, you know, the bad qualities in them, basically. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it's the whole, like, removing... um individuality for like the greater good mm-hmm. kind of ideal it's just, yeah just like society of sheep basically like his parents they're more See, just yeah, middle yeah, of the road. i love yeah. that you brought up the the sheep thing because if if you guys noticed when alex was um in prison and they were singing mm. the song that they were singing um was about uh about how the sheep weren't following the shepherd. Yeah. And I thought that was such a great song to use. Like, it was Mm -hmm. so perfect at that time, you know. Everything really uh, in the movie kind of, like, sticks to that that theme. And um, just, like, on a bigger scale, rewatching it, uh, I think all of us were kind of, like, when it really, when the second act kicked, kicks in and, like, he gets arrested, mm-hmm. all, I think all of us were like, oh, shit, that happens way earlier than I remember. And I was kind of thinking that <clears throat> the reason why is because there's so much iconic shit in that first act, like, just visually, just, like, on a visual standpoint, that you kind of forget about, like, the bigger picture that the movie is trying to show. Because, um, like, the, the three-act structure in this movie is, like, really, really defined. It's like... First act ends with Alex getting arrested. Uh, act two ends with him starting the treatment. Or would it st- would it end with that or him being released, maybe? I would say him being released. Probably him be being the, released, uh, right? End of the second act. Yeah. Because it, it, there's a, such a drastic... It's him... I mean, basically, like... What's the best word I should use? It's like a mirror, I guess, kind of. Or mm-hmm. the movie has just like... It's like a black and white thing. Like there's, there's the, there's a beginning black and then you have the middle gray and then you have like mm-hmm. the ending white, you know, because it's so, it's so, it's so interesting to see 
like at the at the beginning the first act like they he gets um he they his gang beats up the the hobo mm-hmm. and then they That's go on it opens right yeah yeah they beat up the hobo and then they go over to um the writer's house and they they obviously beat up the writer and rape his wife mm-hmm. and then eventually he you know like he'll he get alex gets arrested and then he he goes through the whole rehabilitation mm-hmm. and then he runs into um the hobo <laughs> after the same hobo yeah after rehabilitation gets beat up by the hobos mm-hmm. and then um meets up with his gang his um uh, his former his gang member his droogs yeah and they beat him up it's man <laughs> yeah. now that you're laying it out like that it's yeah. almost like a reverse christmas carol right <laughs> Can like you we're expand on that a little bit? um well my memory of that is poor and maybe there's a better reference but kind of how it opens there there's like a um What's the word I'm looking for? It's like the beginning mirrors. It's like a mirror. Like like he said, it's like the beginning is like we're following this guy, the shitty guy who's like an asshole to everybody. We see him interact with these characters. He goes through this experience, the second act. And then in the end, the third act is him seeing all those people again. But it's like positive. It's like the happy, non-cynical version of this movie. It's like he sees well, all those people again. And the he's thing changed. is that it, it, it is the movie. The clockwork is is making a is making commentary on the ambiguity of justice. You know, like, yeah, sure, he's rehabilitated, but you actually start feeling, for someone who is a terrible, terrible person, you actually start feeling bad for this person. Mm-hmm. Like, it's insane because yeah. as a viewer at the beginning, you're like, this guy is a fucking scumbag, and mm-hmm. I don't care what happens to him. Yeah, like, that first act, they... Like they are acting, or Kubrick is making you actively fucking hate this guy. Mm-hmm. But then again, it's like I don't know. It's then again, we as like uh, young dudes see some of that stuff. We're like, this guy's kind of fucking cool too. You know what <laughs> oh, I mean? Wait, oh, I don't know. Yeah, I totally. Know. I was like, oh shit, I, I can't wait to grow up. <laughs> no, not Jesus Christ. Well, you I just painted really, myself like a terrible should, monster. Yeah, you should try to rephrase. What yeah. Okay. Saying. Well, I just meant like I don't know. It's, okay, let me no, let me phrase say it like maybe this. Maybe because he's such an alpha male, I guess. Like I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's strange. It's strange. I, no, no, no. I just I <laughs> say just that. Piece of shit quit now. fucking talking, <laughs> asshole. I I mean in the in the way that it was filmed, it's like the, I I don't know. It's like I should say the filmmaking portrays him in a a bad I should, quote unquote badass no, way in a sense. Saying. You know what I mean? And then, but no, 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 but like by and large, it's like, wow, this guy's no, fucking it, no, terrible. No, it's the, I think what you're getting at, mm. let see if I can help you. Um, it's that glorification of violence at the beginning. Yeah. that's And yeah. especially how Kubrick shoots it. Wonderful shots with horrible scenes like happening and wonderful classical, classical scores. Music, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, juxtaposed with what was going on in the film, and you're and you are your senses are confused. Mm-hmm. And I think another layer to that, which I mean, I'm I'll be a little bit diversive, but it was just like the it was about raping. Like this movie is about rape, like straight up on every single yeah. uh, social level, sure. personal level. 
like everything you because rape his individuality exactly yeah like the f- the fact that like when they show this grotesque horrible rape scene they use singing in the rain like mm-hmm. a wonderful Iconic. a wonderful yeah. joyful song and he's singing and he's raping that song as <laughs> as he rapes this woman you know yeah. and then you go on to um society seeing these um these uh mal aligned young people and it's like what are we gonna do with it we're gonna rape the fuck out of them and rehabilitate <laughs> them mm-hmm. you know yeah i think uh that rape definitely extends to like the event it's 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 almost like on the nose like the event that he's arrested for Absolutely. when he grabs the big uh, art dick. Yeah. I don't know what better term. <laughs> it's a very it. important piece of or, art. Uh, yeah, it's a very important sculpture. piece of art. Yeah, this it literally like I feel like somebody told Kubrick like, oh, it's gonna be like a phallic symbol or something, and he was like, oh, well, let's just make it a big dick. Yeah, just a big dick, and he smashes it into her head, <laughs> and that like causes him to go to prison, and it's like that that act in and of itself was like it was rape, it, just like the way that it absolutely yeah yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Inappropriate use of dicks leads to jail. <laughs> <laughs> it's fuck up it's true. Brent would know. Yeah. <laughs> Boy. <laughs> telling it's, me. It's kind of funny how like kind of like on a meta level, the like the second act when he's doing the treatment and they're putting all this like terrible shit on the screen to music. Like the classical music, it's like the first act for us. Like we're watching terrible shit on a screen to classical music. Oh, mm-hmm. that's cool. That's yeah, a cool we can't get that association. That's cool. That's super interesting, yeah. yeah. And and he's getting like punished for it. I wanted to bring that up too. That um, Kubrick just loves punishing characters, or I shouldn't say punishing is a little harsh. I should say showing the consequences of their actions. Um, would you say definitely that's a, a signature move of. Uh, I, I would probably say that's a signature move of all all Kubes. But uh, <laughs> no, just like in Barry Lyndon too, you see. It's, um, you know, you see this guy build up this empire only for it to just completely crumble. And then you just see the harshest consequences ever. And it's definitely like that in this movie, too. Mm -hmm. But I don't want to get too out of myself. But that ending is like the most fucking cynical, like, I don't know, kind of uh, saves saves Alex at the end. But go ahead. Since we're there. Why not? Yeah. So, I mean, the end of this movie, basically, he... um, attempt suicide because the guy whose wife he raped um, kind of gets revenge on him, locks him upstairs, blasts uh, Ludwig van Beethoven like through the walls. He's going insane. The only way that he feels like he can escape is to dive out the window. So he does. And then apparently that um, is that what saved him? Is that what like erased the damage that had been done? No, or was it no. like a lot? I didn't notice this. Okay. At, Cause like the last time I saw this film was probably like, when I was in college, so what, like four or five years like 13, ago? 13, 14 years yeah. ago. Yeah. Like in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> but um, there was this quick line when he was on the, the hospital bed talking to, this, to the uh, psychiatrist. He was like, you know, I've been having these dreams and these guys were like all up in my... He's, you know, he's a slang term, but pretty yeah. much in his head. Yeah. And she's like, oh, that's nothing. Like, it was obviously, like, inferred that they lobotomized mm-hmm. him to fix um, the that damage. treatment. Yeah. yeah, that the treatment is his, his Gulliver. That's yeah. What he calls it. <laughs> See, that's the thing. I thought it was synonymous with dick, though. I, nah. 
is built. Uh, I don't maybe they're there's so many. There's so many slang yeah, words for dick in this. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's a decent segment into um, going over some trivia, which I found some really interesting trivia. I don't know if you guys want to dive yeah, into sure. that. Sure. Hit it. Um, so getting this from uh, mentalfloss.com, really cool site. It's actually the same exact kind of article that I got all the cool stuff for uh, Close Encounters last week. But um, yeah, kind of the first one listed here is that Kubrick originally didn't want to make the movie. Um, and kind of, I read through all these earlier, so I can kind of summarize. But uh, basically the... Was it his? He didn't read them. He's just like, I'm scared. Oh, the co-screenwriter of Doctor Strangelove gave him this book, and he was like, "Hey, this book is amazing. Let's make it into a movie." Because that's the only way Cooper can make a movie is to um, base it off of somebody else's book. He has no originality. But um, whoa, triggered. <laughs> no, no, no. But uh, then he read it, and he like hated it. He couldn't stand it. And then basically he read it again, and it just like clicked with him that time. So. Then they decided to make it. I just thought that was interesting. That like at first he totally hated it. The um, the author is um, Anthony Burgess, mm-hmm. and he I think he's a. Uh, I read a little bit about him. I know I know I, I I've heard that author's name before. It's very familiar to me. But mm-hmm. I looked at his other books and I don't I don't recall. But he I think he he he's a he's a Catholic, so which mm-hmm. makes sense with the themes that were. Um, portrayed in yeah in the the film i guess it would be the same in the book because when i was reading a little bit uh kubrick wanted to keep it as close to the to the novel as he could yeah and that's why like in the in the film you see like the catholic the catholic uh padre mm-hmm. you know being this and he's uh, kind of like as close to a good guy yeah as he's, the movie he's, comes um, for he's sure. the moral uh Mm-hmm. compass compass yeah yeah um yeah i mean that ties into one of the ones i was going to go over is that well i'm sorry yeah. but no, 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 yeah in the film because it, just, it brought me to like all the the catholic imagery in the um where where alex was not jesus yeah <laughs> when he was reading mm-hmm. the bible he didn't imagine himself as being the the yeah. uh <laughs> The quote unquote good guy. He was Jesus. he was the Roman beating. Yeah, he Jesus. was the Roman beating <laughs> Jesus. I just yeah, I totally forgot to see. Kind of it's yeah. so interesting to think of like the Catholic author like looking at something that um that that he believes in and being able to see how other people perceive it, you mm-hmm. know. To show that to show that it is that it is something that comes from within. It's not it's not just this book. Like you can't just read the Bible and then have morality. Mm-hmm. You have to c- come to it within yourself. And I thought yeah. that was such a, a beautiful message that was yeah. that was sent through it. Yeah, for sure. That's definitely something that I didn't pick up until this time. Like just those themes. I think I saw like the I can't I couldn't even remember just like judging from what I remember to this movie definitely tells me that I didn't understand it because like now watching it, the most memorable stuff is like the third act stuff after he gets out of, um, you know, uh, the rehabilitation of all that stuff. And before I was like the first act, I was like, Oh man, all this, all these crazy, like fucked up guys and whatever. But it definitely clicked on like a bunch more, um, levels this time. Uh, but yeah, I was just going to say that the screenplay, uh, so closely mirrored the book, that um, for a lot of the movie, they were just carrying around the book instead of the script. 
Like that's how closely it monitored. They, they would just like highlight lines in the book and then use that as the dialogue. And that's all awesome. so, pushed by Sapphire. Yeah, yeah. Like pushed by <laughs> Sapphire. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, which Barry Lyndon was also based on. It's which really interesting how much shit people can get out of. Like uh, Kubrick, I heard Kubrick is a big fan of Sapphire. Yeah, it's wild. What were you gonna that's, say? I guess that's kind of also a point in your favor as far as him being unoriginal. <laughs> yeah, lazy. exactly. Just, well, that's, uh, that's a good point. Hey, uh, I rather, script. Uh, I just, rather just I, say what the book hey, says. Or, originality does not mean good. Okay, <laughs> hey, that's fair. true. I mean, look at American Ultra. All right. Landis, you listening right now, you fucking <laughs> asshole? He's no, but um, just to kind of go on the train of um, Kubrick being a hack. Uh, so this movie was primarily shot in existing locations because Kubrick didn't want to travel too far from his house. So they found well, a bunch sorry, of locations. I'm sorry, he has a family. <laughs> Fuck you. Hey, okay, I'm a bad guy now. Joss Whedon did it in his house. That's true. With a box of scraps. Let, yeah. Let's not forget the ending to... <laughs> let's not forget the ending to Encounters of, a thir- of the Third Kind. Hey, oh, fuck yeah. families, dog. <laughs> Dude, I love that ending. That's so fucking like, I don't give a shit about being an adult. It's so great. Um, that's why you like Spielberg movies, because you're a fucking child. That's a valid point. Very yeah. valid point. Didn't you just buy a Disney wristband thing? Aren't you on Disneyland? What? 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 Yep. Um, <laughs> I, don't understand a, I don't understand adults that go to Disneyland. Oh well, well let's fun. get into that right it's, now. Yeah. Oh, let's let's, let's break it down for me, Brent. Let's talk about why it's magical. It's fun. My parents went to Disney World recently. How dare you? Your parents no, are gay, dude. <laughs> Your parents, they're they're both homosexuals. Yeah. They're each other's beards. <laughs> Something went wrong. They got drunk, made kids. Uh, I think, I think uh, Zach is a closeted Disney fan. I think he is. I'm too. not. I think you want to go I don't, to Disney World. I, I don't think, see the appeal. Come out. Come out. I mean, are, are the roller coasters and shit there? Or is it just like... Could it go? There, I don't know are. what's there. I can't even like picture it. Well, so... Um, Sorry to like Let's, let's climb aboard this whole, tangent yeah. train right now. But if you're going to go to one of them, go to Disney World. Because, okay, Absolutely. so Disneyland is like this very... It's like all of the iconic just kind of... <laughs> There's a lot of shit at Disney World that you would like. Okay. That's Any, uh, anyways, right. Disney, sponsor us, please. Yeah, Disney. We'll do a little plug every yeah. time. It's fine. This podcast brought to you by Disney. Call me Donald Glover because I want that Disney money. Hey. hey. Um, so, yeah, and uh, some other trivia that I found really interesting. So, Alex's, um, Alex singing Singing in the Rain was totally improvised. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I read that. And... Um, yeah, essentially, like, the scene was really flat. Um, it wasn't really working, interestingly enough. And then uh, Kubrick basically told um, uh, Malcolm McDowell, right? Yeah. Uh, to be, like, to dance around. And then he just jumped right into the song. And then that just became this hugely, like, iconic thing that the juxtaposition, I think, that you were kind of talking about before is what makes it work so well. That mm. it's, like, this... This very sincere, um, nice thing, and it's just being totally shat on. Raped. And it's like, yeah, it's being raped. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely so. raped. Fun side note: It's been a long time since I saw this movie, and then I, I at the time I didn't register it, but now, it's crazy that that's Malcolm McDowell. Like he looks, yeah, so different. This might age. be this might be the first thing I've. I know he's been in a ton of shit, but I can't think of a lot of it at the top of yeah. my head. What right. comes to mind is uh, right, Doomsday. Yeah. Do you remember Doomsday? Yeah. It's like this weird mad, mad whatever. I but, only picture him <clears throat> as he looks now. Like I've right, never seen him yeah. in 
in younger anything. or anything. Just, yeah. yeah, exactly. It's so it's it strange. is really weird seeing him young because like you can see him in there, but it's like yeah. For a so, while, like first like twenty minutes, I was like, this sounds like uh, Eddie Izzard. Like his, yeah. he sounds just like him. And he reminded me of somebody too. Like I don't know if it's like Mark Hamill or something, but in this movie, he reminded me of somebody. But um, uh, yeah. Speaking of him, uh, so he was injured on the scene with the fucking eye. Uh, what do you, what do you call those? Oh, the, yeah, the clamp deals. Um, yeah, like oh, the yeah, eye clamps. I can imagine. Uh, he fucking s- scratched his cornea. Open, Jeez. Which is like, and even watching that, watching that scene is like torture. It's like really hard because right. it's like you're seeing them actually do this, and it's fucking hard yeah. to watch. So it's, just to clarify the scene, it's yeah. the scene where they um, they peel back his his eyelids mm-hmm. with these metal wires. Yeah, I forget what they're some, called. They, that's what they use clamp. when they give you lace. Eye clamps is what this uh, is called. Eye clamps. Eye clamps yeah. And so they don't they don't look like they're designed for eyes. They just that's, look like no, that's what fucking, they are. I I know, but when you just yeah. see them, they just look <laughs> absolutely painful. Yeah, that's they're what, definitely not comfortable. That's yeah. that's what I think makes it look so harsh is that they're like grabbing his eyelids and then like scooping these fucking yeah. clamps like <laughs> up into them and it's like ugh. Yeah, it's it's really gross. it's it's tough. Um Ooh, here's a little bit about the uh, fast motion sex scene. Um, so it took the best 20, scene. yeah, which is like so hilarious. Uh, it took 28 minutes to shoot. Um, wait, there was actually a really interesting bit. Let me just scan this real Brent, quick. Brent has a has a copy of the slowed down version that he watches yeah. every night. <laughs> yeah, it's it's good stuff. Um, oh yeah, and they they did they only did it fast so that they could. Um, make sure that it wasn't cited by censors for sexually explicit content, but that yeah. eventually ended up contributing to the, the movie's uh, X rating, which it got hmm. this, this movie was so I kind of wanted to talk about that too. This movie was rated X in uh, Britain. Uh, well, everywhere actually is rated X everywhere um, over there. It was banned because there were crimes that um, people in, were in Europe. Yeah. In Europe. Okay. Um, basically like copycat crimes. And I can't remember the specifics, but I think one kid like dressed up in like a bowler hat and kind of like the white clothes and then like beat up a couple. Uh, Somebody killed somebody like somebody. There was like a murder that was like based on something that happened in the movie. A giant sculpture penis. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I can't remember the the details, but there were like a few crimes uh, leading to Kubert getting death threats. Holy shit. (laughs) Yeah, he, they got death threats, and then he pulled the movie from England. Wow. And then it oh wasn't... God. And not only that, but it was banned in England until sometime in the 90s. <laughs> Which is just... It's just a crazy like bit of and like. And Kubrick history. loves England. That's where he, yeah. he moved to and Ex- stayed. Yeah, so exactly. Can you imagine getting death threats like in that time? Because now it's like you get death threats daily. Like yeah, email, like Twitter. Yeah. Then it's like... They either like go to his house or say it to his face, or yeah. they're like writing. Yeah, like letters. How, do you, how do you send a a, a death threat? Yeah. Like like you get a letter in your mailbox. You walk out to your mailbox. They and know where like you a live. Knife. There's a knife. Yeah, in that's it. like a way more legit death threat <laughs> yeah. than like someone tweeting at you. <clears throat> way more valid. Yeah, you have to take it more seriously. I think I read that it said. <clears throat> I think it, it was at the Vatican that that rated it C for condemned. Wow, <laughs> yeah, that's dope. They, they rated. It C for condemned. I bet the witch is rated and C. And it's by the so I I find that so ironic, just because of what we were talking about. Because the message, how yeah. I would say it, it's it's even it's a ca- it's a Catholic 
message almost mm-hmm. that the, that the morality comes from within. That's why it's it's. I just thought that's it was not, funny. I wouldn't say that's a Catholic message though. But I mean, like it, the Catholic themes that were within it, you know, the interpretation of the Bible, and that mm-hmm. you had to find that within yourself. Yeah, and people have a hard time separating the author itself himself being. Uh, a loose Catholic or something. I yeah, just was that is really interesting. Ironic. I think people have a, a hard time separating a message of a movie from visuals. It's content. Yeah, yeah, it's content. Like, but man, the Bible is kind of you know it's not exactly it's the not a G-rated. walk in the park. Yeah, it's also <laughs> condemned by the Catholic Church. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, but uh, yeah, I wanted to go over the so kind of um, to go off of the the death threats thing. The details on it are crazy. So while on the Ireland set of his next film, Barry Lyndon. Kubrick received death threats against him and his family. The perpetrators promised to break into their secluded house outside of London to carry out attacks just like Alex and his droogs do in the film. Distraught, Kubrick uh, kept the studio from publicly showing the movie in British Isles and Ireland until after his death in 99. My God. So he was like taking that shit seriously. Yeah, that's understandably. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty, Pretty insane. But, um... Oh, it got a Best Picture nod, despite its X rating. One of the only other movies other than uh, Midnight Cowboy to do so. Nice. I never saw Midnight Cowboy. I don't either. Same. But um, I heard it was good. Yeah, but uh, what's about the Cowboy name? at Midnight? Yeah. At Midnight, yeah. Is it like Midnight, <laughs> midnight in Paris? Well, he got a he got a he got Woody so Allen he, directed it, right? Yeah. So Cooper got a uh, Best Director nod, huh? Yeah, he did that one. Yeah, he definitely uh, clockwork. Uh, Best screenwriting. Oh, who uh, did? did Who's nodding? Did uh, did did um, Spielberg get a uh, a director (laughs) nod for for Jaws? Did oh no, he didn't. Kubrick get a nod? Spielberg. Spielberg. Oh no, he didn't. Huh. (laughs) I said just just for context. I sent. Adam, yeah. a video this week that I found really funny. Like somebody dug up a video of uh, Spielberg watching like the Oscar announcements mm. in like '75, and like it's it's you eventually know that he gets nom- it gets nominated for best picture and that's like cool. But they're saying the best director, and you hear like Kubrick for Barry Lyndon, and uh. then like you hear the last one, and he's like, oh man, he's just like this bummed kid, like he doesn't get what he wants like it's yeah. really funny well we'll put i guess we'll put the link in the description to the that video show notes or whatever it's, it's, it's a great video because you see just yeah. cocky ass spielberg you know like it's weird it's weird to see yeah yeah it reminds me of that uh you remember that george lucas interview gone wrong where it's Which like was that? the guy is just like a one minute video it's on youtube where the guy is like talking to him he's like yeah so uh you've got all these accolades like emmys oscars he's like no oscar he's like no Oscar, and it's just like a long pause of just his face, and then it's oh, like yeah, like the seen. shot of him in the audience where they announce someone else, and it's just his face is just like defeated. <laughs> like, oh yeah. man, missed his uh, one chance that he'll ever have. <laughs> He's making all those private videos. I'm sure one of them's gonna like get yeah. oh, yeah, opening pri- opening salads and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, reviewing salads. <laughs> oh god, that video is so great. But uh, oh man, okay. So signature moves. So what are some uh, signature moves that... Uh, Man, right off the fucking bat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that zoom? Yeah. The zoom sure. out. <clears throat> Man, he loves that shit, doesn't he? This... this two two yeah. in a row. 
mm-hmm. two in a row, one after the other. That's right, yeah. Because he has some, some milk bar, some milk bar zoom out, mm-hmm. and then the hobo like bottle under zoom the bridge, out. yeah, under the bridge, mm-hmm. two in a row. That uh, opening, the opening scene of this movie is maybe uh, not my, maybe not my favorite of all time, but definitely like top three movie openings like of all time. I fucking love it, like with the soundtrack, the color title cards, and all that. Just so good, but yeah, the slow zoom outs. Which um, I don't think he does for much more, like much of the movie after the beginning. He does it every once in a while. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really paying too much attention. And yeah, I wasn't trying to look for the zoom mounts at least, but just at the first part, it was just like there was a bunch in the first act, from what I remember. I feel like the first act is a lot more stylized, right? Am I, am I maybe right in thinking so? No, I I, I would agree with that. Yeah, because you have things like the. Uh, yeah, like the fight scene with the other gang. Um, you have the ridiculous fight scene. Was yeah. was those fight scenes handheld? I don't remember. The beginning. there were some there were some handheld fight shots. Scene was, yeah, there was there were a few in those fight scenes. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Yeah, that's slow mo. Like well, walking. no, the the handheld thing is is the is a sig move almost handheld in respect to dynamic um scenes for yeah Kubrick. like he's kind of just dancing around right like and them dancing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and him crawling through the rain handheld mm. and i bring it up as a signature move because i just remember that very iconic scene in barry linden him doing the handheld with the the fight, the fight scene. scene yeah yeah exactly so it, it, it's interesting that we we that i'm saying that's a signature move because kubrick is just known for his stationary, very long mm-hmm. takes. Yeah. And it's also like, just see, just the opposite he can be known for just because of how jarring it can be. Yeah, and I, th- I think, um, and that goes back to even, I think, when we first watched uh, 2001, when you were talking about implicit versus explicit action, and how if there's implicit action and there's kind of a lot more subtext and not physical violence happening then he'll like set up the camera just let it you know let it pan and just let it do its thing and then if there's like if there's like violence or if people are like very in like a hyperactive state then he's gonna fucking get that camera in there and just just uh, run around i'm glad people. you brought up that point because he does it in in a clockwork he does the same thing with the implicit and explicit like mm-hmm. it's so funny to see kubrick like he does on the nose shit like this is like obvious like this is what I'm conveying here like with the with the uh, penis sculpture like this is why I'm I'm telling you that she's getting raped you know like I'm telling mm-hmm. you straight up with this imagery and then he'll have like the subtle implicit context like with the subtlety and language with the government official at the end mm-hmm. you know like he just knows when to use um, implicit and explicit yeah. things and when, when, it, when it's when, necessary. Yeah, when he should be heavy-handed and when he should have kind of more of a deft, like... And it's seamless. Like, you don't feel... Mm-hmm. You don't feel like it's inappropriate for that for that moment, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that really defines great directors is that you're able to have such a mixture of different ways of filmmaking and make it all just again seamless like mm-hmm. it just you don't notice it as a viewer yeah you know? 
Yeah, absolutely. I think that's both of them. That's like a strength of theirs is kind of like which how should we shoot this to best serve the story and like to actually understand the characters better and just like understand what's happening. So I think they're both great at that, but no, <laughs> no I mean, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not being an asshole on that one. I actually don't, don't believe that. And since that Spielberg is, he, he's, he, he carries you the way I'm not saying that's a, the way that he does that is bad. He does that really well in the sense that, like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna go on this adventure together. I'm gonna hold your hand, but it's gonna be fun, sort of thing. That's what Spielberg does, and he does it effectively, and that's his gift because that's why he's a general audience director. That's why he makes big budget movies and everybody loves him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spielberg, I mean, uh, Kubrick doesn't does doesn't um, he'll he'll mix that in a little bit. Like tiny bits, just like what we were talking about, the explicit. But he'll have high concepts, like as the priority. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean. Yeah, I'd see that. Well, uh, that's <clears throat> I'm really interested to do. So I've decided we're gonna do. I don't want to get too ahead of myself again, but Saving Private Ryan next week's that that movie has just solidified the fact that I think Spielberg's a fucking genius. So yeah, I can't wait to do that one. But um. Hey, you know, a uh, broken clock is right twice a day. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he got him. He's like, <laughs> he sounds so defeated. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, can you think of any signature moves? Any Kubrick uh, moves that we didn't... I guess we only named like one or two, but I don't know. I think we... Mm. we I mean, I think we got... What about what about context of the time? I know mental health. Uh, well, well, let's let's, let's have oh, yeah. sex. Yeah. <laughs> no, you don't. Huh? You don't have anything? Hmm. Okay, okay. Well, no. Before we get in that, um, uh, let's do let's do uh, let's do the fun because we were just talking about Spielberg. So Uh-oh. let's do the fun the fun segment. Oh, I totally forgot. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Let's do it. So if Jesus, I Christ, don't even know. I'm already, I'm already like racking my brain. No, I can't <laughs> even imagine what would Steven Spielberg do if he directed this film. Edit a lot out. Oh my gosh, I don't know. So, okay, I'm I'm kind of. Let me think about this. So. We would understand the world a lot more, I think. I'm thinking like a minority report thing. Because Spielberg is great, I think, at world building. Mm -hmm. I think we would really see this like dystopian society a lot more. I think... um, So I think the approach, the the plot, I think would be entirely different. I don't know if that's cheating, but I'm rolling with it. Uh, I think it would still be a guy in a gang, but he would be... um, he would not More be human. Rape. He would not there be would be no rape. I don't think there'd be any rape. Probably get rid of all uh, that. Yeah, just scrap all that. Too much rape. Too much rape. Um, yeah, it'd be... <clears throat> I think there would be a bond between the guys. I don't think he would shy away from them being bad people. I think they would still be bad people. Because, I mean, he he does movies about bad people. Like, you think of, like, Catch Me If You Can. Stuff like that. Um, so I think he would play with that i think that i think he, he would he would definitely make it more likable at the beginning 
I think yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. I don't I don't think necessarily likable, but more human and more relatable. No, they would he would he would make them more likable because um he would want the audience to feel like the audience would still think of them as as bad criminals, but he wants I, I bet the thing that I think Steven Spielberg would do is that he would warm the audience up to their eventual um sympathy okay later <clears> on <throat> like a film. like a backwards munich almost because i'm trying to think of like because this movie his version of this would be more gray it'd be like munich and so i'm trying to like think of like look at it in that mold of that movie you know what i mean well you said minority report so i was kind of okay well yeah i mean that's that works too um because yeah, I mean Tom Cruise in that movie's definitely it's been too not long a good guy, dude. That. Like that he does he does some straight up fucked up shit in that movie. Um, maybe that'd be one to watch. I don't know, but um, <clears throat> I forgot that Steven Spielberg directed that one. Yeah, it's a really good movie. I think underrated. I That's think well, fun. actually, I don't. Yeah, that makes sense to compare it to Minority Report because that was a that was a novel based on the book. Pushed by Sapphire. <laughs> that's no right. by a Philip K. Dick, the sci-fi writer. It was. That's right. Yeah. So it wouldn't. I feel like the, the novel. I don't know when Minority Report was written, but I would say around the same time that A Clockwork Orange was was written. So in that same yeah sci-fi mm-hmm. emergence. So that's yeah. I mean that's an interesting point. the The worlds are very different though because this is very dystopian, kind of Orwellian. Hmm. Um, society that's collapsed in a way. Um, Minority Report's very like optimistic, like the kind of uh, you know Spielberg trope of uh, kind of op- well, that movie's not optimistic for sure. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know, Zach. You have any ideas about like Spielberg's take on uh, on? Uh, I almost said Munich. It's like we already saw that um, fucking Clockwork Orange. Honestly. No, I can't even like fathom that. Yeah, it'd be the thing is like you have to like rewire your brain. You can't just think like how would he direct it? I got it. Okay, all right. Don't 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 (laughs) be a cunt. You don't even I didn't even say. Well, you don't even have to. I already know it's coming. Cunt face on. Yeah, I know. I could read. I could already read your face. You're gonna say something really shitty, but go ahead. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I gotta get back. All right. Okay, so Alex Alex is is a an alien and a whole bunch of aliens they they're they're the they're the criminals of society and they go on and cr- commit, you know, small little crimes or whatever. It's you know, just like little petty crimes like thieving and stuff. And then he gets gets arrested, and then you know bad humans are gonna go and try to re- rehabilitate him, and they do. Mm-hmm. But then you feel really bad about like you feel bad about all the shit that he's going through, and then you then he finally sees his parents, I guess, and <laughs> they love him. Or some shit. I don't know. I'm okay. just like improving right now. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> well, jumping on board kind of what you were just saying, 
I think so kind of sticking with the theme that we talked about how the goodness oh my god I got it I fucking cracked All right, it here dude. we go Spielberg's version of this movie is uh the Padre like becoming how do I word this so essentially Alex uh finds the goodness within but it's not like a corny fucking thing it's like Oh yeah, I right. See, yeah. Do you see what I'm getting at? Yeah. Like he he actually finds that goodness within and actually is rehabilitated, and that's kind of the difference between Kubrick and Spielberg is that he would like find the optimistic outcome to that scenario. He's not always optimistic, but like a lot of the time he, he is. And I think that I mean that'd be a movie that I'd be interested in seeing is like the Alex that fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm glad that we have this version. Absolutely, I wouldn't change it for the world, but I think it'd be <laughs> interesting to see that outcome to where this guy actually is rehabilitated, maybe not through the same methods, like the very cynical methods that they used, but I don't know. I think that would have been interesting. No, that's, that's exactly what would happen. Yeah. Spielberg. Right. I think so too. Yeah. He becomes a boy. good person because he found it within himself. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I think that'd be really interesting, but <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know. Okay. So, uh, uh, so it was based on the novel, um, a clockwork, a clockwork by, uh, by Sapphire. It's going to be a recurring joke in this fucking podcast. I hope so. Cause never, we're going to watch stop. every, cause everything by Kubrick is based on a, it's based on a book. There we go. Anyways, like Anthony Burge, when I was reading a little bit about it, Anthony Burgess said, uh, he absolutely loved the film and, Ooh, and Kubrick, Kubrick, like I said earlier, um, he wanted to follow the novel as closely as possible. So <laughs> that's why I don't think Spielberg would ever like, like pick up this novel and say, "Hey, this is what, this is what I want to film." I don't think that would ever happen. Yeah, I mean, you know? <clears throat> then again, so that's that's really fascinating because I, I hope I'm not going off on a tangent here, but like Kubrick did. The Shining also, and like oh, it's yeah. notorious that he changed it drastically. And Stephen King does not like that movie at all. Uh, I'm probably because he's a little too close to it to kind of examine it as its own thing. But um, yeah, I wonder what made him like stick so close to this as opposed to. I don't. I don't know. Maybe because he he liked it so much. But apparently, yeah. Anthony Burgess and Stanley Kubrick were really great. Excuse me, really great friends mm. after the film. Like they kept in touch. I think he was like at his funeral and did some, you know, it was like they were like really great friends. And mm-hmm. I thought it was really interesting. But yeah, that, that point you make about The Shining, it's, yeah. I don't know what would be the difference between, because um, I mean, I, I guess like it would be more so like maybe we should read the book, The Shining, The, the, the Shining book, and then watch the film. Then you yeah. probably see why. I've never, happened. that's, yeah, I mean, I've never seen, there have been different adaptations. I've never seen like, any of them other than that one. Mm. But I know there are ones that he likes more than Kubrick's, which is really interesting. Well, Stephen but, uh, King is also a crazy person. <laughs> so yeah, a little bit. Mm. <clears throat> so speaking of which the, the book was, uh, made in 1962. So yeah. that was, uh, it's around that Dick time. <laughs> Philip K. Dick. We were talking about, <laughs> sorry. Oh. <laughs> I, I was caught. I, I was caught. I thought you meant so the Dick art. Yeah. <laughs> Because it's like, yeah, there's exactly there's so much dick in this film. Yeah, works both ways. (laughs) But 1962, so, Mm -hmm. 
the film was released in 1971. That that range is not that far yeah, off. It's real quick. Well, turn under around. under a decade. Yeah, you know. Uh, I guess it was. I guess it must have been a bestseller or something that. Uh, yeah, that's that like, made it so popular. It's like a Da Vinci Code turnaround. It's like <laughs> this just came out five years. People are still pissed about the book, and we're yeah. gonna make them pissed about the movie now. So, <laughs> yeah, it is really interesting. But '60s was really a time of like a lot of interesting sci-fi books. Like I know that's when. Um, guy wrote 2001 did rendezvous with rama too and i love oh, i forgot his name he did 2010 right as well yeah the and the 3001 um arthur c clark arthur c clark love arthur c. there clark. you go um yeah it's a good time good time for sci-fi. so yeah in um the 60s that was the you know vietnam war and the rise of the rise of communism <clears throat> and east versus west and individual all that yeah. 60s was absolutely the rise of individualism too so to have this movie kind of be well the book I should say the book I'm sure we should give more credit to the book probably and kind of like attack right, individualism yeah. <clears throat> yeah it's interesting oh you're not going to ex- you're not going to No I'm just going to oh. just leave it out there throw it out there <laughs> Oh <laughs> Well that was a that was the I mean an individualism like the 60s definitely the uh counterculture um, revolution. You got all those, you got all those hippies, and they're all having the sex. And yeah, I, I will. And you say that, and that makes me wonder how old. Um, what's his name again? The author, um, Anthony, Anthony Burgess. Burgess. Wonder how old he was when he wrote it, because it does have kind of a cynical, like the young are. Like even the the there's a line in it um, that's like this is the bum I think at the very beginning says this is no world for the old the the young or blah 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 and so I wonder if like that played in like his age and seeing this young counterculture kind of rising up in the '60s if that played in then again that was still very early '60s that he wrote it so well yeah I mean it it is the is the anarchy with no moral compass associated to it. And that was his criticism. I mean, when you look at the beginning of the, the film, it's very anarchy-oriented. Like it, was, it was just like these kids running around doing whatever the fuck they want, you know, raping and stealing and and beating up, beating up hobos, you know? Mm-hmm. And then you have... Then you have uh, the rise of so you know in the context of it, you'll have the uh, the drastic difference between the nuclear family in the 1950s, mm-hmm. you know, where everyone is is cookie cutter houses. Everyone has everyone goes to church on Sunday. You know, they're the family consists of mom, dad, son, daughter. You know, mm-hmm. everything's nice. And then you have the 60s where it's just like direct um, response to that uh, that, to where everyone, you could do whatever you want, you know. Mm -hmm. And it goes with, uh, and then when you move on further into the film, you have government intervention saying like, well, hold on, you know, silent majority in the 60s, you know, rise of Nixon and whatever. Mm. 
saying, hey, you can't do whatever you want. There's there's law and order. And then the book also makes another uh, more commentary on that point that the government can't even do, can't be the one to uh, solve this problem. Mm-hmm. You know, it has to come... It's like this 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 mesh of individualism and uh, moral um, aptitude, you know. Mm-hmm. So, like in in the sense of the uh, the seventies, you know, you have you have you know the threat of totalitarianism, and this movie makes a very strong point. I mean, you can even see the Russian. Russian architecture and there's like I think Russian uh, um, artwork that are sprinkled throughout the film, mm-hmm. making that comment about this criticism of of uh, communism, and that makes sense when the movie was released in 1971, which is the height of the Cold Cold War. Mm-hmm. You know? <clears throat> yeah, so he kind of like took from the book and then put in a little bit more. Um, historical context of like the time that he made mm-hmm. it in into the movie mm-hmm. so and it yeah. you know what's what's also very interesting about the historical context is that he did not want to make it historical he didn't want to make it contextually historical mm-hmm. because he used all he invented all those slang words and what i read was that he did those he made up those those slang words so it would be timeless like Mm -hmm. it would never fit into an era yeah that's yeah some of the best um i guess it's typically movies do that where they kind of remove and that's why they're so timeless and why they age so well is because they're not trying to like just stick to this one time it's not like like movies, uh, I'm thinking of like bad examples, even if they're okay movies like uh, Demolition Man or something. They're like, this is this year. This is what it's like. And then those don't age well because they, they're they too like explicit in like, this is where we are right now. Mm-hmm. This is what everything looks like. And that's why movies like Clockwork Orange and just the other one that comes to mind is like It Follows are great because they kind of are ambiguity they're very like ambiguous about Mm. the setting and the context that they're in yeah i wanted to bring up also the um because i i had brought it up before at the close encounters of the third kind because what year was that do you remember 74 uh, seven, 77 star wars year so a little bit a little bit uh later than a clockwork orange but I was mentioning on the podcast the the rise of uh, attitudes towards um, psychiatric care or mental health, like attitudes towards mental health. Mm-hmm. And boy, this mo- this movie does take like a pretty obvious stance against you know how to handle mental health i'd say i that's actually a good uh, point that you bring that up because i wrote down i wrote down in my notes uh is this anti-rehabilitation like when it like first got into that stuff and i was like i don't uh, i don't i don't know about this like the approach that it's taking um i don't know yeah it just seems like kubrick appears to be a uh a critic of 
of uh, the way that mental illness was being handled during the times. Because if you remember back, like 2001, the uh, literal lobotomy of um, Hal, like that whole scene, like Mm -hmm. that was explicitly a, uh, a critique on mental illness treatment. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole removal of his, uh, his shit. Mm-hmm. And in this one, it's for, he, because like you, you could say that Alex is mentally ill in, in the sense that he, he doesn't know how to abide by social norms. So they rehabilitate him and put him under, you know, this uh, very intensive program yeah. <laughs> to force him not to be, um, like that anymore. Yeah, you know, and then not he, be a bad person. Yeah, and then I think he definitely has kind of his, um, um, kind of usual cynicism in looking at that process and saying that doesn't work for people like him. And I think the ending kind of underlines I, that. I mean, like, I I know you, I know, like, tonally, I know, like, tonally, it it appears cynical but i think kubrick's point that he he, that he wants to make is just the whole concept of concept of free will and that it doesn't matter what ends come about it's like it's the means like if you don't come about some um moral thing yourself then it's pointless yeah i mean that's because like you like I think Kubrick's just a big believer in free will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. Well, a note about the ending actually. Apparently, that's the only, or not the only thing, but one of the major differences between the book and the movie is Kubrick left out the last chapter, which is like ends on a positive note, where Alex like matures and outgrows his sociopathic ways. Oh, no. so he already the yeah. book so had different. the Spielberg ending. Yeah, <laughs> and then that Kubrick was like, so he would have made it. Yeah, had he read it, <laughs> I read I read the same thing, and uh, it wasn't Kubrick's fault. Is because of the U.S. version they exclude the last chapter. Ooh. So where's that X-rated version? I don't know. I like this ending more so than uh, I like that. I mean, I think it, that it, would. Yeah, I don't like happy endings. So. Yeah, yeah, I don't exactly. go to Thai massage parlors. <laughs> Time massage parlors. But yeah, I don't know. I think we've uh, <laughs> reached uh, the end of our road on uh, Clockwork Orange. Um, I don't know. You guys have any closing thoughts on uh, Zach? What did you think of the film? Um, it was better than I remembered it being. Not that I didn't have like a negative memory of it, but it was so long ago I barely remembered it. So yeah, it was nice to rewatch it. Des- definitely, like you said, like the first time you watch it compared to now, it's like the context just makes more sense and you mm-hmm. pick up on the subtleties of all the things yeah. they're trying to tell you yeah exactly this yeah i mean watching it again i've seen it probably two or three times but the last time i saw it i definitely didn't pick up on some stuff like the um the stuff with kind of the government especially the ending with uh it just never i don't know it just never clicked what the minister was saying to him at the end and um i mean yeah just uh really the second and third acts were way more memorable to me this time when at first um you know the first few times i saw it the first one first act was just because it's a lot more visceral and kind of um explicit and it shot a lot more dynamically and kind of 
I I'd say I don't know, I'm, no creatively is not the best term. Um, I don't know whatever that word is. Uh, but yeah, I mean it's a great movie. It's like right up there, right under two thousand one for me as far as favorite uh, Kubrick movies. Yeah, yeah, I love this movie. It's uh, it's great. Um, it's it's so funny because I had to say the same thing that you guys said because like. <laughs> You know, like you're hanging out with all, like back in high school, you're hanging out with all those cute alternative girls. You know, not the not the cheerleaders, but the uh, the ones, the scene chicks. You know, with their hair <laughs> um, and fr- covering one eye at least, and yeah. they're like, "Hey, you gotta check out a Clockwork Orange." And you're like, "Well, <laughs> you know this uh, this girl's pretty hot, and I want to talk to her about it. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna watch a Clockwork Orange." Yeah, and you do. And you love the first part because it's all violence. That's that's what I was saying earlier. It was like I just want to because I feel like people yeah, think no. I'm an insane I maniac, gotcha. right? Because like I saw it when I was 15, and I was like, "This is." I understood that it was bad, but it was like a cool. I don't know. It was like a cool. Like you want to show your friends Clockwork Orange because it's like cool because it's like bad. It's yeah, like, it's like edgy. It's edgy, it's edgy exactly. So that's what I was getting at earlier. Yeah, I'm not and then, a maniac. you know, as a <laughs> as you know, as a teenager, you're like, oh yeah, fuck the government. They're gonna they they just want to control us and shit. Yeah. You know, you know, like that's the like as a teenager, you're gonna look at those those very top level shit. Put on your Green Day American Idiot album exactly. <laughs> after watching the this. American Idiot. And then you then you go up, then you go up to that you go up to that girl that recommended to to you and you're like you say hi and then you just walk to your next class because you can't <laughs> you can't talk to her like you go up you go up you take your your corn cob pipe out and you're like I thought that movie was a little contrived and then you just walk a away a bit pedantic yeah and yeah. then boom she wants you a this is how you get girls clockwork orange was right? <laughs> you take out your big dick sculpture and you, you <laughs> and ram you it right in her face. face. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> but, but no, I just say that because like I just remember in high school, like all those girls, they always had that fucking novel. It was like at O'Connor High School, like you could see like that I novel. I didn't know a single person with that. Really, yeah. I saw there was a girl that I would see around with the bag. It would be like, do you guys remember that like image of like it's Alex's face with like the little eyelash, but it's like a cartoon version of like, oh his yeah, head. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah 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 yeah. It was like she had that bag, and I I was like. Maybe that was the first time I was introduced to like that movie. Was like seeing that bag, me like, what is that about? That looks like a cool thing. Cool people have bags with it. What is that? I'm gonna go to Hot Topic and buy a T-shirt. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you had more thoughts before I rudely interrupted. You. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's okay. I just thought it, was, it, it just. I don't know. I I just think that this movie also just brings back some of those memories from high school. That's why I brought it up. But. Yeah, but but it's so great to watch it now. After you know many many films watched and years. you know years like understanding how how the world works and whatever, and giving it more context and be able to see the subtleties that this film provides, mm-hmm. and it's just it's absolutely fantastic. It's um, like I love the structure of the film. Like I said before, the 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 black to gray to white, you know, just having the mirror, just having the same situation, just under a different context. Like I think it's it's hard to do that in an 
um, in an entertaining and uh, meaningful way, but it is done very well in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, as always, uh, Kubrick's um, his shots are well done. They're always it's always eye candy. Mm-hmm. Um, never a dull moment. Um, uh, what's his name? Malcolm McDowell. McDowell. He yeah, did he's a, fucking great. He did he's a fantastic so job. <clears throat> really great. Totally convinced that he is Alex DeLarge. Like I can't, I can't imagine anyone else portraying that character. Yeah, I and God damn it, I just have to get this last little like weird bit of trivia in. Uh, is that uh, <clears throat> where was it at? So they almost. Oh, so Malcolm McDowell was Kubrick's one and only choice to play Alex. Um, and apparently they the studio wanted Mick Jagger and the fucking Rolling Stones fucking to play the Drews. <laughs> oh, wow. And that, then and then Kubrick was basically like, This is the only guy I want and just get me him. That's yeah. it. And I I was just like fascinated. I was like, what the fuck? What Mick the Jagger? F- okay. And he was almost in like uh, Jodorowsky's Dune too, apparently. Really like, crazy, yeah. <laughs> but um, I don't Mick know. Jagger, yeah, Mick Jagger was. <laughs> a lot of things could have gone wrong. Yeah, Salvador okay. Dali was going to be in that movie. <laughs> what? Insane, yeah, crazy. But um, <clears throat> but I don't yeah, know. I think. But yeah, you know, I I love this film. It's de- it, like I said before. It's um, I think my third favorite Kubrick film. Yeah. Probably. Well, I, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Definitely 2001, then Barry Lyndon. Definitely. I'll, I'll solidify that. But. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. I think it's going to bring us to the uh, end this so, week, guys. So, yeah. So, next week, uh, I think we're going to... We're doing... What is it? <clears throat> um, what is it? We'll circle Save back it. around to... Well, wait. Hold on. Seven, eight, it's going to be Spielberg, so it's going to be... Um, Saving Private Ryan, I thought you said. Yeah, yeah, I think Saving, saving Private, Private Ryan. Ryan. Yeah, Saving Private Ryan's gonna be next. Maybe, week. who knows? Who knows what the I'll, winds? I'll double down on that. I just want to know if you could say. I just watched it two weeks ago. All right, fine. We're gonna it. watch Saving Private Ryan. Fine, fine. Well, I watch it. That's the movie where they convince that guy to become a Christian, right? Yeah, exactly. They take him we to got, church. They got to save him. It's um, it's also based on um, the, the novel Pushed by Sapphire. <laughs> um. Yeah, so that's what's going to be next week. Episode like when, when he's when they're running from the Nazis, he's carrying a bucket of chicken. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they run a, a German uh, KFC, grab oh, a God. bucket of chicken. That scene in that movie will be seared my memory for all time. It's insane. I was I was crying, like like when he betrayed him with when he like took away his bucket of chicken when he gave it to him to begin with. Yeah. Man, that was horrible. Yeah. Real, real. Boring. Anyways, do you have anything, anything <laughs> to plug, Zach? Yeah, you got yeah. to. Um, yeah. Just our watch. other podcast, Fan Films Movie Club, dropping Fridays usually. Um, just did um, that. Iraq, or Arachnophobia. Arachnophobia. Yeah, yeah. the last one we did. Uh, it'll be out probably by the time this comes out. Oh yeah, that's so, a good uh, point. Yeah. Go check it out. Hmm. Other than that, I don't know. I can't really um, time this. I don't know when this is going to come out. So. I mean, yeah, probably in most like other things I say will be irrelevant weeks. by then. It will be like April by the time this comes out. Probably. Well, we're working on uh, we're working on time slice. I mean, yeah, 
that's definitely uh maybe episode <laughs> for, one will be done by then yeah, hopefully it, it probably we'll will see be. um yeah as usual check out uh sticker fridge uh yeah. youtube.com backslash sticker fridge uh, i don't think that works just search you've just search <laughs> just it for sticker fridge studios, studios. Yeah. yeah uh at sticker fridge twitter instagram facebook email sticker fridge at gmail.com yeah all right so uh yeah thanks guys well Uh, yeah so thanks zach for coming on board thanks for having me sorry i didn't contribute much no dude not a big talker it's all good man no your presence is um is enough because it's like i was gaining information by you just staring at me Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. that's how i used to communicate yeah Yeah. (laughs) you transmit information through eye yeah. contact it's yeah. fascinating it's yeah it's like uh tom hardy's performance in batman as bane exactly can't see yeah his face you got an erection it's all in the both eyes. both things like zach looking exactly. at me and tom hardy yeah mm-hmm. it's the same effect really i'm just saying i'm buff that's mostly what i'm trying to talk about <laughs> and bisexual yeah <laughs> but uh yeah i mean thanks for listening guys have a good week and uh check back next week for saving ryan's privates Man, a real great, great joke I'm there. I'm sorry. <laughs> Let's not end on that. <laughs> Wait, somebody say something uh, funny. Save us. No, this round is. Nope. You are not to edit this. Cutting this it. is all. Cutting it right there. This is all going to be in it. Oh. All right, guys. Bye. Peace. <laughs> this is too, it's too good not to cut it there.